Well, you're done. <laughs> Thanks again, honey. Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a woman? No man presents live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. And here are your hosts, Dan, Jamie, and Al. Till death do us part, or when we're done with the last episode of season 11. This is the Married with Children podcast. My name is Al, and I'm joined by the girl who doesn't have that I've been satisfied by Al Bundy look on her face. Jamie, what's up? (laughs) Hey, there is nothing wrong with my pipes and hoses. I just need to be taken out and driven once in a while. (laughs) And I'm Dan, the mailman Chase. I deliver. Bask in the afterglow, baby. Wow. He does, guys. He delivers every week on the Married with Children podcast. We are reviewing Season 7, Episode 22, original air date, April 25th, 1993. Director Jerry Cohen, writer Stacy Lip. When Peg complains about Al's lovemaking to the girls at the beauty parlor, he becomes the laughing stock of the town. Then Al goes from blood to stud on an all-new Married with Children and relive the season's wildest moments on a special Herman's head. I'm getting really excited. It all starts Sunday night on Fox. So we start off in bed, believe it or not. (laughs) (laughs) Again in bed. Oh, Lord. (laughs) If I ever meant anything to you, please let me fall asleep before she thinks of sex. a woman aren't you <laughs> god is a woman just like that weird song <laughs> <laughs> like Alanis Morissette uh, but why didn't Al just fake sleeping like we've seen him do it before or try to well I don't know why he didn't say please god let her fall asleep before she thinks of sex because she would just wake him up regardless right exactly yeah Look, that maybe that's why he didn't bother because it's never worked before <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> oh, Peg, we just did it last month. <laughs> A man can't just roll over and do it again. We have to rest in between. Al, you can't wear that cool V-neck T-shirt and those stained pajama bottoms. <laughs> Expect me not to want you. <laughs> ah, they do show off the merchandise, don't they? <laughs> Let's prepare ourselves. So, to prepare for sex, they both take Alka-Seltzer. <laughs> now, what, what is know, that supposed to relieve? Your st- uh, heartburn. And you know what? I'm guilty of it. Like, I've actually done that. Like, wait, hold on. Like, let me nip this in the bud. Because there's nothing worse than when you're in the middle and you and you start getting heartburn or something, you know? Really? This is a thing. 
it's a thing, yeah, for somebody who doesn't eat healthy, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yes. Yes, for somebody like me, it, it definitely is a thing. Now, not not often, but I do remember uh, doing it. And I remember one time we had Domino's, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna nip this." Here. That's amazing, dude! I can't believe it. Uh, well, before we keep going too far, let's go back to the episode title. Uh, Till death do us part. I wasn't, I didn't like that as the the title of this episode. I didn't think it really pertained to it at all. Yeah, right. it doesn't fit. No, it's like a throwaway title, really. You know, it's obviously The Wedding Vow, Until Death Do Us Part. And uh, there was actually a, a UK sitcom called Till Death Do Us Part, and it is uh, what All in the Family was based on. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, it ran for 10 years from 65 to 75. I'm sure it has zero relation to this, but... <laughs> oh, well, you're... Done. <laughs> Thanks again, honey. Now, I referenced this line a couple episodes back. Remember when Peg was not satisfied? She said she did all that cooking. It was like what I do for love or something, the episode. When Peg was cooking and she says, I'm not going to spend all this time cooking for five minutes of sex. And I said, what about, you know, we're used to the Al Bundy of her going, oh, Al, you're done. Done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, five minutes is a marathon. Right. Like, I thought that she'd be cooking every night after that, you know. But <laughs> uh, No. So, yeah, this happens here. Oh, Al, you're done, which is amazing. Like, you try to put it all together logically. Like, how does Al only last that amount of time that's like a pump or two then you got to wonder did he is did he finish i mean is he and then you got to wonder what is he like 16 years old <laughs> no, <laughs> right like, right i'm sorry he didn't even have time to get over there like he you know right, he was, like right. get out of his pajama pants like uh, he didn't have time to even roll over or so. find the hole or anything nothing <laughs> Find the wet spot. Yeah, uh, but the thing is, it contradicts though everything too. Like, shouldn't it take him a while? Because usually he's so disgusted and he doesn't want to, you know. Or is he just so good at his game now that he imagines someone else or or whatever he's got to do to go in his head to get to a place where he can do it that quickly? Right. Yeah, there's a million questions that that whole line would bring up. It makes no sense. Yeah, it just makes no sense. (laughs) To examine it, uh, we'll just get screamed at because um, it's a comedy. But uh, it is funny to try to explore the logistics of it. But, yeah, I don't think there are any, so. (laughs) (laughs) How are you feeling, Peg? I'm surprised you could make it down those stairs this morning. (laughs) I know. I was pretty tired. I hope that buzzing didn't keep you awake last night. Yeah, those damn bees. <laughs> you know, and one must have stung you, too, because I heard you scream. No, those no. were bees. <laughs> Al saying, yeah, there were, I heard the bees last night. Uh, he is totally in denial because there's no way he's that stupid, right? He's just he's just in denial. Well, you see where Kelly gets it from sometimes, though. <laughs> oh yeah, 
You know, like it's not the, the fact that they're dumb; it's the fact that they're ignorant to the fact that they're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> you know, dude. Sometimes you don't know how dumb you are until you go into certain situations that highlight it. It happens every day of my life. I'm like, wow, I'm that guy. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe I always thought I was like the competent guy who's on top of things. All of a sudden, I'll go somewhere where I'm like unfamiliar with certain things in life, right? And I'm like, wow, I'm that guy. I know nothing. Yeah. Amazing. You want to do it again tonight? Peg, I think if we do it again too soon, it'll cheapen the experience. <laughs> Bask in the afterglow, baby. <laughs> now, Peg, you're not glowing. You don't have that I've been satisfied by Al Bundy look on your face. <laughs> Gee, maybe you should go to your girly doctor. You know, they say you should get checked out every 50 years or so. <laughs> You know, put you up on the old rack. Check your belts and hoses. Honey, there is nothing wrong with my belt and hoses. I just need to be taken out and driven once in a while. Well, that can't be a shot at me. I'm Al, the mailman Bundy. I deliver. Yes, Al, but mailmen are slow, and they deliver every day. Yeah, but they don't always have to go to the same house. Then Al says, yeah, but they don't always go to the same house. Now, that's obviously just, you know, like a clumsy joke because they do go to the same house every day. But the point is that they don't. Well, they have variety, though. Yeah, they they go to more than one house. So that means that you have many sexual partners and that's how things keep exciting, you know. Right. Like um, the same way porn can do that for people. Like you, you could be with the same chick every day for 10 years, 20 years, whatever. Porn kind of puts variety back into your brain and you could tune into it and it's still then things seem fresh and variety and you're still um, and you have fidelity in your relationship. But at the same time, you have variety. <laughs> right. Did you think of Carl the Mailman Malone? <laughs> when... <laughs> this is Carl Malone telling you to tie your shoe. Yeah. And Peg mentioned Carl Malone in season five. Kids, what are you going to do? <laughs> but seriously, Peg, you weren't satisfied? Well, let's put it this way. I used to call you the Minute Man. Now I long for those days. <laughs> But you know, Marcy was very comforting. She said, with you, the sooner it's over, the better. <laughs> you told her? Al, you, uh, you want to throw around the football? <laughs> there, we done? <laughs> I think she might have told him. I just think that's funny because he's like, she might have told him after Jefferson made the crack. And I'm like, you didn't. You don't see that she clearly did? <laughs> she might have told him. Now, what did you guys think of the joke, though? Um, do you want to throw the football around? Oh, we're done. What do you think of going for that as yeah. the example? No, right? I didn't think it was that great. No. Al, really, you shouldn't feel badly. The reason you're so inept in the bedroom is because you've chosen to put all of your energy into your magnificent shoe career. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Al's down. I guess my work is done. Well, let's leave these two lovebirds alone. They may want to have sex for a second. Whoops, they're done! <laughs> <laughs> 
Relax, Al. I'm sure she didn't tell anyone else. So Dan's favorite scene comes up. Donnelly yells to Al. <laughs> wow, man. It's been a while, huh? Hey, Bundy. Do me a favor. Have sex with your wife 50 times. We're cooking an egg. <laughs> hey, Donnelly, why don't you use the time it takes your son to get out of his dress? It was great to see that, but it was even greater because I loved Al's comeback. Yeah, he likes to talk about Donnelly's son being in a dress. <laughs> he really does. That was so good. That was perfect. And like we said before, you can't say something so many times without it probably being real, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's got to be based in some reality. Yeah. His son definitely wears a dress. <laughs> now, his joke about having sex 50 times to cook an egg, that was way better than the football joke, in my opinion. So that one I was okay with. Um. So I didn't understand that joke. Well, I guess if Al lasts, well, how, how long does it take to cook an egg? Your your typical egg timer runs for three minutes. So okay. I'll have a three-minute egg. So the weird thing to me was that 50 was such a bizarre number for for that. Right. <laughs> I'm trying to put all, like, math into it. And right, but, right, right, right. <laughs> um, Basically, he's saying Al's sex lasts 3.6 seconds a session. So that that is kind of accurate. Right. Yeah, I guess it is, yeah. Yeah. I guess I just didn't understand the analogy. So it's the time to cook the egg. Yeah. Uh, Hiya, boy. How you doing? Well, let's just say you won't hear my bitch complaining to her friends. (laughs) Good boy. Oh, like his delivery and the fact that he even said that. Like, the dog knows that Al is inadequate. Oh, man, I love that line for so many different reasons, too. And just because just of the fact that it's a one-liner. Like, Buck just comes in and just <laughs> it just spits fire, and then that's it, you and know? he gets up and walks away. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's the best part. He just walks away. and then But the fact that he could say bitch, and it's not even a demeaning term to women, but it still fits perfect, and it's what normal people would say anyway. But it's just, there's like so many great things about everything, and the delivery was on point. And the fact that it's a dog talking to you like this. You know, like, I don't know. It's just too good. That was the best line to me. So, Kelly, uh, we have classic Kelly back, basically. I mean, you know, the dressing is what it is, but we're back to her with the weird boyfriends hanging out at dangerous places. They have weird names. They're getting into knife fights and stuff. That's that's classic (laughs) Kelly. Daddy, do you remember my boyfriend, T-Bone? Nobody sounds delicious. I'll tell him you said so. Anyway, we were all down at the Harley shop, and he and his friends got into a discussion about whether there should be a limit to presidential campaign contributions, which, of course, led to a knife fight. (laughs) And, Daddy, you should be proud to know that nowadays when kids fight, they say, I'm going to waste you quicker than Al Bundy. (laughs) (laughs) I love that uh, a discussion about the Electoral College leads to a knife fight. (laughs) Well, the knife fight that you can believe, right? But who are Kelly's friends that are talking about the electoral? Like, we've met these people. I can't imagine for one second that they'd be talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. 
these days a a political discussion leading to a knife fight that's totally believable oh now yeah i'd be surprised if they didn't yeah look how that came back around it's totally believable 27 years later right (laughs) (laughs) how badass is it that kelly was down at the harley shop with her friends heels on wheels man (laughs) yes yes indeed Kelly is way into the biker scene, which is funny because we all know what her mother will be doing in a few years. Let me ask you a question. You ride, Alex. Are you into the biker scene, so to speak? I've done it, but I am more of a loner biker. A rebel? But yeah, I've gone to... No, I'm not a rebel, but I've, <laughs> I've gone to like uh, meets and stuff like where there's like a like a valley and stuff and everybody rides their bikes and you like... <laughs> pitch tents and stuff like that and you get grills going and there's like swap meets and you sell things and whatever but a lot of times you don't sell anything i mean you you could someone's always looking to buy something besides drugs when you go to these things right. and um you know it's yeah I've, I've done all that type of stuff i hung out at biker bars and stuff like that i don't really go with the lifestyle per se that i don't have the the time i guess to do that Right. Like, I'm just into so many other things that... Right, right. Yeah, like, I find a lot of bikers, it kind of fills a void in their life in a weird way. Like, they don't have many interests, you know? Like, maybe they just have sports or whatever, and that's, you know, how many, how long you sit on the couch watching sports. So, especially, like, the older guys, you know, they're not as willing to have interests as we are because they think it's kitty or childish or whatever. Oh, come on, man. I'm not going to collect that crap or I'm not going right. to... How many times are going to watch this goddamn movie? You know, like, things like that. Like, they're not in... They're, we're more, like, juvenile. Like, our generation's more juvenile with stuff like that. So, we embrace a lot more than than they will. So, they don't have things that they're very passionate about it's right it's like their passion by default because they ain't got nothing else they got no imagination right (laughs) so they totally embrace the lifestyle because there's nothing really else to do so i don't yeah i've hung out at harley shops on a sunday morning i guess and you know had a coffee and just looked around or whatever i've done things like that and you know kelly here was at the harley shop and she was at the biker bar later on Mm -hmm. so it's cool but no, I mean it's like how many times can you do it? I I like to look at the new bikes once in a while, but you know. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, no, I'm always curious as to different like groups of people and stuff like that because you know I know obviously we've mentioned it a million times on the show, but you know we're all very much into horror. You do the convention stuff, you know. You do like on location Friday the Thirteenth stuff. You like to do um, all that. The, to me, that sounds amazing. Like, oh my god, that that's so great. I wonder if the biker people, like you said, think of it kind of like we think of that lifestyle, like it's kind of lame, like you got nothing. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a it's such a weird thing what people are interested in. But um, I've noticed that, yeah, like with the with the with a lot of people that ride motorcycles, though, and much like a lot of other groups, too. But there's so many different types of people. Like, I've run into the biggest jerks ever. And then, you know, some of my best friends, like you, ride and stuff <laughs> like that. So it's like, it's such a weird thing to uh, to get a bunch of people together that they all have one thing in common. But these people are so not like each other at all. I was say, when I used to throw darts competitively, I I used to play against this biker team. And they were the coolest, most fun 
you yeah. know, just nicest people. They were just, they were this like really rough gang of bikers, but they were <laughs> so nice. That's awesome. And then oh. I discovered that they were incredibly racist. So it, oh, yeah. it kind of killed it for me. I was like, there oh, that's so sad, you know, because they were, but of course they were nice to me, but. Yeah, because you're white. <laughs> So it took me a while before I, I noticed it. And then, because they never really said anything out of the way. But then I started really paying attention to the jewelry they were wearing and the and the, oh. and the stuff that was on their hats. And, you know, and I was like, oh, God. That's so funny. Yeah, it's like, wow, they're so nice to white people. Right. And then I was just like, well, shit. Like, and then it just changed everything. Like, it changed my whole perspective. So I was like, well, damn, you guys, damn. Like, it broke my heart. <laughs> well, you guys are good at darts, but I don't want to be your friend. And then um, you challenge them to a knife fight. Yeah, that's how that happens. That dart well, we weren't tournament. talking about the Electoral College. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's darts, Dan. Come on. <laughs> so what do you think of Kelly's boyfriend? Does he sound delicious to you guys? <laughs> <laughs> T-Bone. If his name were like Sirloin. <laughs> Filemon Juan. <laughs> yeah, Filemon Juan. Oh, my God. I love Filemon Juan. Yeah. Oh, oh, I just had it the other night. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I just saw the biggest lightning strike of my entire life. Wow. That was the crazy Yeah, I can the, totally the hear that. Yeah, no, it just happened like right in front of me. Oh. Yeah, we all heard it. We're all right here in the nudie bar. Wow, we almost, the nudie bar almost got struck by lightning. Wow. That was amazing. It's just trying to interrupt our schedule d- during these difficult times. <laughs> <laughs> so um, now the kids say, I'm going to waste you quicker than Al Bundy. The kids, the kids are say. saying it. The whole of, all of Chicago, knows. yeah, knows Everybody. it. Nope. No wonder why Al's depressed most of this episode. Well, anyway, what really bothered me was that I didn't know anything about this politics stuff. Daddy, they called me stupid. Am I stupid, Daddy? So they called Kelly stupid because she didn't know anything about politics, and I call her. Uh, making better use of your time. Right. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, you're actually the smart one. <laughs> because when you look back on it, all these people who get themselves riled up over politics every day and, and they're up in arms and they're like, yeah, yeah, Like, what did that really get you? Like, if you look back on your life in the last five years, let's just encapsulate that. What did all your shouting and screaming and all this, uh, what and complaining and posting on Facebook and blah, blah. What did all that really accomplish or get Nothing. you? Nothing. Well, <laughs> Nothing. And, you know, the, the best part of it, too, is it seems like everybody's always, you know, trying to wake other people up to the fact that, guys, the government is trying to screw us. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, no, we got it. <laughs> like, like <laughs> we've known this. And, and you can't. Okay, listen, I can't be upset for other people getting upset for coming to that realization. Again, though, 
we've come to that realization and there's not much you can do except, you know, <laughs> unless, you know, like, okay, yeah, if you want to arm yourself because the government could turn on us at any moment, like, they're out to screw you. Okay. But there's nothing you can really do about it or unless you want to move out of the country. But then but then people say, well, that's not true. You got to make a difference. Like, look at all the people, like – who who stood in front of the tanks and listen your change.org little things on Facebook do nothing they don't do anything right that's what they don't understand what they're doing isn't the same thing as no, that no that's just being a slacktivist and it doesn't right. it doesn't do anything but then even the people who hit the streets it doesn't no. matter you can kick and scream all you want to and you can you know dive on the ground and pound your fists and have all the tantrums you want, it's right. not going to change anything. Yeah, and it, and the people who stand in traffic and highways to block people from going to work, you think that changes anything? No, right. you're not doing anyone any good. You're, you're only hurting yourself and other people. And right. it's not, in the end, it doesn't matter. And honestly, it's not worth it. Pumpkin. Now, you see that tree out there? Now, that tree grows and breathes just like you. So, Pumpkin, you're just as smart as that tree. Well, you have to say that because you're my father. Hey, anybody on the street would say that. Did you, do you notice that when he said... That's not true. Anybody who would come in, in here would say that about you. That was supposed to be a joke, but did you notice nobody laughed? Yes. Isn't that weird? It's it's like they didn't get it. Like, I guess so I'll explain it. If, if they didn't get it, maybe nobody does. What Al's saying is that anyone who knows Kelly would say the same thing, that she's stupid, basically. She's the smartest to trade. I thought that was a very sweet moment <laughs> because even though he's basically calling her Bora. I thought it was very nice. I love moments <laughs> like that. But he made her feel good, you know. And right. even though he was making fun of her when he did it, he's, you know, what matters is that he made her feel good. So, <laughs> nice. well, it's kind of like that. Yeah, you're a dumbass, but you're my dumbass type of thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> but not pumpkin. If you want to impress that psychopath that you're dating, but here's what you should do. Learn one thing really well. Just pick some topic that comes up often uh, among your friends in conversation. So, politics or condoms? <laughs> politics would be good. You can start by learning about all the presidents. There's more than one? Indeed. <laughs> so, learn all about the presidents, and you'll fool your friends into thinking you know other things, too. And you'll never have to impress anybody again. Thanks, Daddy. I'm going to go learn about the presidents quicker than Al Bundy. <laughs> when you take this plot and you put it together with season three, episode 22, when they said, when you take a gallon of knowledge and pour it into a shot glass, you're going to spill some, um, you get season eight, episode 26, Kelly Knows Something, which is the one I refer to a bunch of times because of seven. They teach her a bunch of a bunch of sports trivia, and then you see other things leaving her brain. <laughs> At capacity. <laughs> yeah, so it's like they were dancing around this idea, and then in season eight, far down the road, episode twenty six, they 
they finally put it all together. <laughs> Hi, honey. <laughs> You're going to be so proud. At the supermarket, I heard that they have changed the 10 item or less express line to the Al Bundy line. <laughs> Oh, honey, you look down. Well, I got you a little present. Aurora White and a nice burrito. (laughs) There are, believe it or not, some interesting things about Aurora White toilet paper. So since they, you know, went so specific with it, I guess we'll talk about it. That's the brand that's, you know, highly touted for its softness and beauty and delicate scent and all that stuff. So Aurora pioneered colored toilet paper if you guys remember that sure do yeah remember when it was pink and light blue yep that was eventually eliminated in 2004 because they found out that the dyes that were being used were harmful to your asshole (laughs) it makes me sad i always liked colored toilet paper (laughs) is that from the research team (laughs) Yeah. The research team come up with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were they worded it more eloquently. Oh, and uh, Aurora, the the hometown of uh, Wayne's World as well. Aurora, Illinois, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which was Chicago. Maybe that's why they um, talked about it here. Exactly. Yeah. So, do you guys notice that new? Like, you know, they're. Now we're deep into this show, so they're trying to dress Al a little differently now. Mm-hmm. You guys notice that, like, deep blue shirt he was wearing? Yes. Doesn't that look... Didn't he look good in that? <clears throat> um, I liked it a lot more... Than the purple one. Previous... Yeah, yeah, Oh, yeah, yeah, dude, exactly. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> I was going to say, why didn't they proceed with this one and not that stupid purple one? Right. I would have loved if the later episodes had him in this shirt. Oh, honey, you look down. But I got you a little present. Aurora White. And a nice burrito. (laughs) Come on, Al, break them both open. No. My self-esteem, my sexuality, my whole manhood's been taken from me. Never want to go to the bathroom again. Well, maybe we can finally get that curl out of the wallpaper. <laughs> and the birds will come back again. <laughs> oh, honey, this is really bothering you. Well, I'm going to fix it right now. Okay. Peg goes ahead and does something very sweet. Yeah, she wanted to make him feel better. She felt bad, so... I think that that was nice of her. And he almost made me cry. He was so cute when he was like, no. Mm-hmm, I don't want a burrito. <laughs> it, was, it was very cute. Hello, Marcy. Al and I just had a major sexorama. <laughs> yeah, Al Bundy. <laughs> he was magnificent. <laughs> Yes, Al Bundy. Well, Marcy, I I don't have the strength to speak any longer. But let's not tell anyone about this. Oh, except maybe the girls at the beauty parlor, because, you know, we know we can trust them. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, Al's got that look in his eye again. 
Oh, no, Al. Please have mercy. I, I... Yeah, I'm going to say one of the things that make this episode really good... They implemented a lot of dynamics and a lot of moving parts that all come together in one perfect ending. And they set these things up along the way. And Kelly, obviously, is a main proponent of all this. Putting that there, which then gave Al inspiration later on and all this stuff. But like to think at how they layered this and the first layer that you really get here as this is, as we're like basically midway through the episode, is Peg making this phone call. You would think Al's really happy about this, but he holds his stance as unhappy because now the issue is, yeah, but you don't think I'm great. Well, now you're a legend, baby. <laughs> Feel better? No. <laughs> we know it's not true. So now we get a layer to Al that you never, ever thought you would get because Al doesn't care about anything like this. You know, what Peg thinks of him. He avoids her sexually at all costs. So now, usually it's by choice, but now it's almost like, it seems like it's by choice because a couple episodes going for the old, Al says, Stanima's good, but not with you because that prolongs the agony. So Mm -hmm. you would think he's doing exactly what he wants to do in bed right now, yet when he notices how dissatisfied he left her at this point. Do you think that's really what he cares about, or do you think that he just just cares about how he's perceived? His manhood was threatened. So he's like, no, I don't think it has much to do with actually caring about, about Peg. I just think that he felt he felt threatened as a man, so he wanted to prove her that, wrong. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, and but I'm I'm so glad though that you said um uh, you said that aspect of all the characters coming together for this. Mm-hmm. I dude, that's something. It's so weird. It's something I've been noticing more and more. Um, I've watched a lot of movies this year. 172, Jamie Bryan. I'm coming for you. And um Ooh. and. With within all those movies, it becomes glaringly obvious when there's a side plot that and especially when they're intercut with with like the main plot where you're like, this is so irrelevant. This has nothing to do with it like that. That's what that that was the purpose for this character to come in. Like you set it up and then that's how they're going to use it. Like that, that's just so it and it's becoming more glaringly obvious. So I noticed that in this episode. Well, it's like, wow, everybody was used properly. And some of them, I didn't even know that they were going to be used in that aspect, which we'll get to that in a minute. And it surprised me. And it brought to you, it brought you places where, you know, Oh, okay. I didn't expect this too. So I found it like refreshing. But I thought everybody was working to it perfectly. Yeah, they were. They put they, this is a, a a layered episode that really came together well, and and it all adhered to the plot. It wasn't just like, hey, we gotta get these. It, like it, they all made sense. Almost like every character was crucial to it, working the way it did. You know, and. There's also a thing, too, where, okay, <clears throat> if, a, if an actor's doing bad, you can pick them out and say, oh, they're not doing good. Or if they're having an exceptional episode, yeah. But to say something at, as an episode as a whole, 
for the whole cast to contribute, mm-hmm. man, you're flowing on a whole different level. You're you're hitting on something where it's not just about one person's joke. It's not like, hey, this is Al's episode, where I, technically you could look at it like, like it is, but at the same time, you could make that argument for a couple of the other characters as well, like Peg and Kelly. So it's like, it's so well-rounded. It just feels so fleshed out if that makes sense no it does and that that's the impressive part of it like you don't get that often on this show mm-hmm. by the way we're on 172 as well oh wow. that's weird tied up i'm on uh 23 <laughs> <laughs> so yeah the only person who didn't have a big role in this episode is bud bundy yeah, I, I. What's funny is I didn't even miss him until he they came down to the basement, and then I was like, oh, oh yeah, haven't seen Bud. Right. <laughs> Come on, honey, have a burrito. No. <laughs> Oh, come on, Al. It's off a truck. <laughs> mm. uh, maybe just one bite. <laughs> Maybe just one roll. <laughs> Still hurting though. Uh, you want to share some of that with me? Al has this burrito and the toilet paper, and it's funny. In in these times, I posted a video of. Al tearing off the one sheet or two sheets of toilet paper and handing it to Peg, and I made believe it, you know, had something to do with the toilet paper shortage going on. <laughs> <laughs> with, with the with the training session with Bud, though, I thought um, that's what I meant by incorporating him too. He probably had the least amount to do with anything, but at the same at the same time, um, it was it was going into the basement, right? Well, somebody wrote that we've never been in the basement. I was thinking that as well because they've talked about the basement, you know, with the Playboys being down there and everything. That maybe in my mind, <laughs> I just pictured it that way, but no, it. That yeah, was I've first, never seen it. Right. Yeah, first time we ever saw the basement. Yeah, it was. And it's it was huge. Right. It and was clean. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and it kind of makes me wonder why wouldn't somebody like one of the kids have a room down there or something? Like when Bud was right. had that whole room that he converted and the garage and all of that, you know, why didn't he just use the basement? Well, he just might. Ah. <laughs> oh yeah, they're like, listen, we built this set, guys. Put some use to it. <laughs> I remember at Home Improvement they gave Jonathan Taylor Thomas his own room in the basement, and then he was sleeping on the couch because there were too many noises. I remember in Brady Bunch that Greg took the attic. And he and, and Marsha fought over it. In in the in the movie, they did a little something else in the attic. <laughs> I'd much rather take the attic because I just imagine those silverfish just crawling all over me in the basement <laughs> when I'm sleeping. Yeah, I would never take a basement. All right, honey. Now we are going to learn all about the presidents. As a visual aid, we are going to use Xerox copies of Daddy's Money. I have the originals with pictures of our greatest dead presidents on them now this is George Washington the father of our country I thought that was James Brown no he's the godfather of soul 
I thought that was Don Corleone. <laughs> I think we've had enough for one day. <laughs> well, I still thirst for knowledge. I know. I'm going to go to the place that got me through high school. The principal's house. <laughs> His door always was opened for troubled girls. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. That implies a lot. Yeah, it does, and that's very disturbing, especially when Peg, you know, takes this uh, alley-oop and dunks it by saying that troubled young girls were always over there, and <laughs> it's like, okay. So, <laughs> right, right. yeah, that's that's disturbing about Kelly, but it, it does go back to her, her older um, character, you know, it, so we can't complain. You know, they, they put that back in, so. Right, exactly. Al, I was at the beauty parlor today, and your name is on everyone's lips. Well, that and bonbon crumbs. <laughs> Everyone thinks you're a stud. But you don't. Sure I do. You do? Okay. Your relentless interrogation has broken me. I don't. <laughs> but either way, it doesn't matter. Because you're mine and I love you. <laughs> Honey, I'm going to go upstairs now and take a shower. My new nozzle, Jeffrey, just came in. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we talked about her various nozzles. So Al's drinking out of a generic can that says beer on it. <laughs> like, wow. You... Do you see that kind of stuff anymore? These days, everyone's dying to jump on sponsorship and stuff like that, right? So you don't really see the the classic 80s, 90s white beer can with beer written on it? Especially with what this show is, and it's kind of represents like, you know, the kind of like grimy, kind of poor, um, very working class people. Yeah, you're right. Like, <clears throat> much like the Simpsons and Duff Beer, you know, even the Simpsons capitalized on it, you know? Oh, instantly. The Simpsons knew right away. You would think that that there'd be like, yeah, some, some sort of product placement in a show like this. Um, like, and I'm, I'm assuming that was the perception back then, you know, with beer and stuff like that, where you would want to equate it with something like that as opposed to, well, and I know you got both, but instead of like a high class beer or whatever, you know? Right, right. Yeah. Well, they, I, Al had fake Budweiser cans in the past. Correct. So I'm surprised they went here with that. What happened to me? I used to be good. Everyone said I was good. And girls don't lie. <laughs> Only women lie. Maybe I should ask some of my ex-girlfriends. How desperate would I have to be to have my ego boosted by girls I slept with and never called again? <laughs> Come on, Lois. So it's been 20 years since I promised to call you. I'm calling you now. <laughs> now listen, this is a toll call, so let me get right to the point. Remember that night in the backseat of my old Dodge? How was I? I knew it. <laughs> what kind of car am I driving now? I gotta go. Bye. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, can I speak to Marilyn Fisher? Oh, she's Mrs. O'Brien now. Uh -huh. uh, you're the husband. I, I see. Well, could you do me a favor? Yeah. Uh, my name's Al Bundy. Uh, 
Could you ask her if she meant it when she said she'd had them all, but I was the best? <laughs> oh, she's breastfeeding. <laughs> that, that brings back memories. <laughs> and we also know what uh, how what's her name felt about him. What's his ex's name there? The uh, the one in blue, the bigger one. Oh yeah, she was way into him. Yeah, I forgot. Uh... Who's the girl who played her? Whit Sperber, something like that. Wendy oh, that Sperber. sounds right. Yeah, I think I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, your least favorite episode. <laughs> yes, I, I know. Yeah, I was traumatized. Uh, I had flashbacks when I watched this because I thought of her. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because you're bringing up a real ex. Mm-hmm. Now Al calls someone named Marilyn Fisher to see what she thought of him. Don't you think that's a Missed opportunity because when I heard him say Marilyn, I instantly thought he was going to say Bemis <laughs> from Life's a Beach. Remember when Al was on the beach and she came over and tr- and said, will you make love to me right here, right now? Yep. In f- while Peg's sleeping. And then she says, remember when you used to sneak me into the drive-thru? It was right from the trunk, right into the back seat. And I was like, because, <laughs> you know, Peg's right there and maybe listening to this. So you would think that they would say Marilyn Bemis just to tie in and have some kind of thing like that, but they didn't do it. Yeah. And that's obviously a really nerdy thing to want, but it would be great, you know? Callbacks are awesome, you know? Right, right. It would have been really cool, and it would have been a treat for fans because the the beach episode is legendary. (laughs) So I was great. The best! Come on, now you're making me blush. (laughs) Well, thank you, Sister Mary Ignatius. (laughs) And he's so inappropriate talking to the guy, talking about breastfeeding his, you know, and he says, oh, that brings back memories (laughs) of him sucking on her breasts. Like, just imagine that's what he's saying to the other person on the phone who may be the husband or something. Right, exactly. Anybody that that is. A kid, because the kid could be the same age as Kelly. You know, like, it's just amazing what he was willing. He just does not care. Yep. Oh, and uh, thanks to uh, Stephen Scott for bringing this to our attention. Uh, As we record this on April 12th, it is Ed O'Neill's birthday today. Wow. We're recording this on Ed O'Neill's birthday. And you may (laughs) be thinking, and it's also Easter today. Yes. Um, Happy Easter. Happy Easter, yeah. Uh, even though this will be see, see, we're we're going pretty uh, hardcore with trying to get things done early now. That way, we don't miss any more weeks unintentionally. You know, and we do like to record things. Um, you know, doing a podcast and then you know editing and all the production that goes to it. Um, it's really not that <laughs> crazy for us to record two, three. Even four weeks, I think we've been ahead of schedule um, before we actually drop an episode because you need time, like you said, to to do all the editing. That that stuff is not easy. It's not quick. No. It takes a lot of man hours to do that, you know. And you know, you get recording schedules that get messed up, so you try and give yourself a cushion. I think we've been pretty good at that, but uh, you know, everybody everybody stumbles every now and then. Um, it hasn't happened too much with this show, though, which is good. Knock on wood, you know. But uh, yeah, we're on a good streak. Yeah. yeah. I knew I was good. 
And if I was good once, I can be good again. I'll just get back in shape and show Peg I still got it. Yeah. Al, I'm gonna take a nap. Yeah, rest up, baby. <laughs> and this time I may even kiss you. <laughs> so they go in the basement. First time we see their basement, like we said. Well, son, this is where it all happens. The Bundy Gymnasium. And until recently, the place I came to cry. <laughs> but not today. Today, we train. Supple strength is what I need. We'll go hit the heavy bag. All right. You know, I used to box in the Golden Gloves. Really, Dad? Son, don't you think if I actually had, I'd have told you about it a hundred thousand times by now. <laughs> I thought that was fantastic. That, that was on point. So, that was so funny. And he was like, Dick, Really? Like, as many times as I've told you about the four touchdowns in one game, you don't think I would have mentioned that? Now, what do you think Al would have mentioned more, the four touchdowns or that, or the boxing matches? Oh, I think that, seriously, I think if he had boxed in the Golden Gloves, it would have been... Um, Constant. A con- yeah, all the time. He'd probably have it tattooed on his forehead. <laughs> exactly. Do a little bench press. Do about 30 reps. Count for me, son. One. Take the weight, son. Take the weight. Good? Yeah. Al can only do one rep on the bench, and it didn't look like he had much weight there. If I'm guessing, I'm going to say he was benching 45 pounds, maybe. <laughs> I was going to say 35, 40 tops, including the bar. Yeah, I was trying to be nice, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's really nothing. That's something you could do with one arm if you could balance it, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Hey, I remember when I was in high school, I took a weight training class. Oh, nice. My best friend in high school, the only thing she could do, because she took the class too, but the only thing she could do was the bar. Oh, my God. <laughs> and really? I seriously, I th- I had to spot her what? when she was when she was benching with just the bar. And what? I just, I thought that was hilarious. If it was the Olympic plates and stuff, then the bar was 45 pounds. So that would be the equivalent to what Al couldn't do. (laughs) Well, I mean, the bar was 45 pounds, but I still think that that's nothing. Oh, it is. It's nothing. No. My dog is heavier than that. (laughs) (laughs) She can't press your dog. (laughs) So Bud drops the bar on Al while he's spotting him, and... He he has to get it off somehow, and the only way is to roll it. So Bud goes to roll it into Al's throat, <laughs> so you can see how Smart. stupid Bud is. Yeah. Then he says no the other way. So he rolls it down towards his his legs. He he crushes Al's penis in the process. That's not a good thing when you're trying to please your woman in a in an hour. Or so <laughs> so right. you don't want to do Why that. Why didn't he just tilt it up on one end and drop it off the side? Right. Or you know, he could have just picked it up because it's not that heavy. <laughs> yeah, that just... might have been funnier. Yeah, right. 
Or at least more sensible. I don't know about funny. Well, funny because Al couldn't bench it. Then he. Well, oh, then yeah. If he had just gone, and, yeah, that would have been funny. Well, the whole the whole idea of of when you're you know spotting someone is to basically guide it. You're not holding it up for them, really. You're just kind of hey right, guiding right. it back to where it should be. Now, Bud, <laughs> he tried to he tried to hold the thing. Up, up there, where where Al had it, at, you know, when his arms are fully stretched out, he tried to just hold it there, and then yeah. Al just takes his arms out. It's like they're both at fault, both of them equally. Yes, that is true. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. So Al's wearing that property of Polk High shirt that I spoke of, and go for the old. Nice. Right. That's a cool shirt. Nice touch. It is cool. I, I did like that shirt. I gotta start wearing it more. I was like, I wonder if Alex has that. Oh, I do. <laughs> of course you do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How many was it? <laughs> One dead. All right. That's enough weightlifting. Don't want to get too bulked up. because uh, it's a long way to get a neighbor to give you mouth-to-mouth. You know, son, this has taught me a valuable lesson. I'm plenty strong enough, but it's endurance that I need. Come, boy! I'm going to run, but I need motivation. Show me the picture of Grandma on her string bikini, please. Al looks at a picture of Peg's mother in a string bikini as motivation to run. <laughs> now that's a flashback <laughs> to the Razor's Edge uh, episode in season two when um, Steve wouldn't shave his beard. <laughs> <laughs> that's how he got Steve to because Steve was going to shave his beard because Marcy wouldn't have sex with him unless he shaved it. So mm-hmm. he showed a picture of Peg's mother to basically kill Steve's penis. <laughs> <laughs> it gets rid of any sex drive. <laughs> I remember you guys talking about that episode. Yeah. I remember that episode of the show. Yeah. It's it's amazing how long ago that was. I still can't believe that was like three years ago. Al's out running. He's, you know, jogging or whatever. Gained some stamina. Come on, Dad. Come on. Just two more steps. Thanks for helping, Mr. and Mrs. Darcy. Well, we wouldn't have helped, but he passed out on our lawn. And I would have left him there for compost, but the flies started gathering. And he collapsed on a squirrel. (laughs) It's our little squirrel friend, Zippy! It doesn't look like Zippy. Well, you have to imagine him with blood, bones, and internal organs. Squirrel killer. I guess he used to hang around the house. Now, Tiffany has, my wife has a uh, squirrel friend, too. Um, she calls him Chubby. And he hangs out in our bag. I don't know how she identifies him. I don't know if she's delusional or not. Like, maybe it's not even the same squirrel. Who knows? But <laughs> <laughs> like that's a deer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not even the same animal. 
<laughs> the weird thing about Zippy is that on iCollector.com, he was for sale. What? Yeah. The starting price was $250, and he sold for $400. Wow. Was it the real one? Was it really Zippy? It says, this flattened squirrel was acquired by the production for use uh, in season seven titled Till Death Do Us Part. Al passes out jogging with Bud and falls on and flattens the friendly neighborhood squirrel. He measures 17 inches by nine inches. And yeah, he was sold on November 2nd, 2013 for $400. Marcy, Marcy, come on. Come on, let's go, honey. I'll give Zippy a nice burial. Well, the the best part of the whole Zippy thing is Jefferson at the end when he boots it. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> I laughed so hard. Like, that was the moment for me. Oh. He just, he takes a thing and drop kicks it. Dude, <laughs> him doing that... <laughs> was the he said I'm gonna give him a nice burial, Marcy, and he turns and kicks it. It goes flying into the Bundy house. He just walks out. <laughs> like how degrading, man! Like that was one of my favorite moments ever. That was so good. Like I did not expect him to drop kick a squirrel. <laughs> oh, that was so sad. He's already dead. That was my favorite moment of the show. I think too. <laughs> you guys are monsters. Hey, hey, listen, he's got a happy home now. Zippy, uh, he's got a somebody paid four hundred dollars for him. He's good. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Zippy. Yeah, R.I.P. Zippy. Is he going to be the new Bosco? <laughs> no, Zippy's got nothing on Bosco. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will drop kick Zippy all day. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> Jefferson redeemed himself for that lame-ass uh, football, throw-the-football-around line. <laughs> that was redemption. Cheer up, Dad. See so you killed a squirrel. If it wasn't you, it would have been some cook at a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> oh, Daddy, I'm glad you're alone. Listen, I have great news. You found your underwear in the park? <laughs> No, but if I'm ever looking for it, I know you're wearing it. <laughs> anyway, Daddy, your advice worked out. We were all down at the biker bar, and everyone started talking about what happens when no presidential candidate has a clear majority of electoral votes. And I said that the last time this happened was in 1824. The House decided the election, and John Quincy Adams won. Now, this is, this is true. So that means that this show had a little educational moment. Hey, look at that. They actually taught us something. Now, that information seems like a total like waste of my brain space. So I'm not going <laughs> to learn it. I'm just saying it out loud here. <laughs> <laughs> just like Kelly, you got to remove stuff. Yeah, just like, yeah, I don't want anything flying out of my head. So um, <laughs> I'm not going to retain this little bit of information. But yeah, it's nice to be uh, informed and educated. But I don't know. I pick and choose. We're not just drop kicking squirrels and, you know... Talking about YouTube comments, you know? <laughs> we have substance. Yeah, we have some substance there. Daddy, I wowed them. Now everybody thinks I'm a genie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Daddy. Now I know I can overcome any obstacle. I love you. Mwah. Where are you going, Dad? To the basement. 
Gonna cry, Dad? <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> but then I'm going to train. Because if my little girl can train herself to hold a thought, <laughs> I can train myself to hold my wife. Because if Kelly can train herself to hold a thought, then Al can train himself to hold his wife. Now, that was so great of a moment on the show. You get things. There are plot points. There are moving points and all this other stuff. But this just seemed really multi-layered in a really good way. And with all the strong sexual innuendo and joke writing along the way, this was just a really solid episode. Al goes back down to the basement, and this time he's looking like a different guy. It was almost the same uh, character arc as Rocky Balboa in Rocky Three, if you guys remember. He just couldn't <laughs> he couldn't get into training to fight Clubber Lang. Then he had that whole big uh, blowout on the beach with Adrian, and then <laughs> he trained like a completely different guy after that. And that is what this is very reminiscent of Al. And I wish. Um, well, and during this training montage, they play this song again, this Tough Enough by the Fabulous Thunderbirds. Mm-hmm. This is now the, th- you guys recognize it, right? It's that third time this season they're playing this song. Wow, really? Yeah. I was going to say, I knew I heard it at least once. Oh, yeah. You heard it on Al on the Rocks. You heard it on Mr. Empty Pants and Till Death Do Us Part. <laughs> wow. Yeah, they just keep on with this song. It must be cheap. <laughs> right? Like, wow, man. Um, but I wish they were playing something, like, of Rocky music. Not the typical Rocky music, but, like, some of the other ones they play during training montages. Well, and they, they also do um, songs that sound like, you know, Eye of the Tiger. Right. And that aren't, that like, kind of the same, mm-hmm. but, like, either that's what they're going for. But it's the generic, um, you know, free version. <laughs> so when uh right when he said that like who knew immediately there was going to be a montage right <laughs> I oh, <did>. yeah. <laughs> and like as soon as he said it i was like okay what are they going to play during the month like my brain immediately right. went to what song are we going to go to and then when they when he when it started and that was the song i was like well of course yeah yep. <laughs> oh of course it's season seven yep. right that makes sense it's gonna be that or bad to the bone right yeah, it's like. <laughs> but honestly, that song is really good for a training montage. Just the 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 rhythm of it, yeah, and it, like it it works. Like it really it, it really works for that. So I I thought it was fine, but I got to tell you this, it got me pumped up. <laughs> it did work. It did. It's like a- watching watching that montage, I was like, I want to lift weights. Yeah. Yeah, and I want to punch the bag. Like, I really, it 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 totally worked. You know what's weird? It worked on me, too, because I kind of didn't work out yesterday like I was supposed to. And I wanted to throw up my thing right in the doorway and do some pull-ups. I was like, man, I can't believe I, I, I passed my back exercise today. And I wanted to, right as I was watching this, I was like, man, I should go work out. So you're right. It, it actually did motivate both of us. Yeah. Hey, Dan, did you want to work out? I, uh, directly after, I literally went and made a hot pocket. (laughs) (laughs) What? That's so funny. (laughs) 
Nothing. That's that's great, man. Yeah. I mean, this. Listen, it affects people in all different ways. Listen, maybe you were thinking of that burrito back. Uh, yeah, that's what, dude. See, I. That's what it was. Yeah. That's what it was. Yep. The show. The show is inspiring. Right. That's what motivated you. Exactly. It, listen, it's all different, man. Yep. Different strokes. Right. So, of course, after you're working out and get it all nasty and sweaty, the the best thing to do is uh, take your wife upstairs and get immediately into bed. Uh, so, <laughs> so um, Al comes up from the basement, pegs on the couch. Yeah. Let's see what you got, punk. <laughs> What does he do? He takes her magazine and rips it? Yes. <laughs> it's no phone book, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, like he's a tough guy. Right. Like it's a phone book. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's so funny. So, And he doesn't even rip it down the He rips it at the binder, right? So he's not even doing anything that's hard to do. He don't even rip that down the middle of the entire book. Right. He throws her over his shoulder after saying, let's see what you got, punk takes her up to the bedroom for an all-night, all-day, all-night romp. And at the end, the aftermath, Peg's hair is looking like she put her tongue in a socket or something. (laughs) Looks very satisfied. And Al's sitting there with a cigar. And to all, a good night. Yeah, so we're going to say a Christmas slide. Right, <laughs> right. I was like, wait, when did this air? No, I'm pretty sure it was like in April. <laughs> April 25th, yep. Yeah, so so there's that. <laughs> Which, by the way, when is it going to be airing for us? Because don't we have... Right. It's yeah. That's like two weeks from now-ish. It's going to air April 29th for us. Oh, so close. Which is as no, it's as close as you can get because right. the episode before is the twenty second, the movie show, and then the twenty fifth goes by, and then we get here. Yeah, so this is we're right on schedule, except for being twenty seven years later. <laughs> hey, some that's right on time. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, that's awesome. This is the closest we ever came, I think, to to matching up with a release date as as with uh, day and month. That's awesome. And it's Al Bundy's birthday today. Well, yeah, yeah it's all coming it's... together. Yeah. Right. This was good. So, uh, what do you guys think about that? We had all these layers, all these different characters contributing all these different plot points, and they all culminated in Al more than satisfying his wife. He goes from a guy who she says, Oh, Al, you're, before she could say anything. And it's it's pretty nice of and generous of Peg. She's already complimenting Al in the first second of sex. Like, right. just think about that. She said, "Oh, Al, you're like, what was she gonna say if he lasted ten minutes? What was her first compliment gonna be? You know?" So she was already into this and vocal. So that's interesting. And then uh, then he was done in a second or whatever, three point six seconds, whatever Donnelly says. And then we get to all these points with Kelly and what she's going through with looking like a dumbass with all her friends and they're all talking smart stuff. And then she later on inspires Al who took her advice to that if she can accomplish something that she's down and out about, he can accomplish something that he's down and out about. 
and he goes back to the basement after failing down there already. So not not only did Al fail in the bedroom, but he failed in trying to even acclimate himself to be a champion in bed. He couldn't even do that. He collapsed and killed a squirrel. <laughs> Zippy. Right. So, I mean, what a life lesson to go back into the basement and do this thing after you just failed. This episode is better than it deserves to be. Right. Well, yeah, a lot of the times he'll try, fail, and then we'll all have a good laugh about it. And, you know, there'll be some triumph, but it won't necessarily be the one that he set out on or whatever. You know, it's like a constellation prize because, you know, we're all we're all so used to Al, you know, being a loser right. in a lot of instances, you know. And it doesn't matter if he's a loser as long as some of the Bundys, you know, uh, come out looking good. Then it doesn't matter, you know. Right. But with this, but with this, you're absolutely right. Yeah, to fail and then it's like, nah, and then he's going to try again. Like, almost like, you know, and because it is, man, like, failure is probably the biggest motivator, right? Oh, yeah. It's got to be. Like I told you, it happened with me with my, my job. I failed trying to become a lineman, and then I went right back and climbed again. Th- there's something to that. There's something to failing the first time instead of just doing it right the first time. And and it's almost like this, too. It's It's like... Obviously, yeah, try again. People like that should be a given. But the fact of the matter is people get in their own heads and block their own shot, so to speak, because they have it in their heads. Oh, I can't do it. And a lot of people, um, you know, quit right before the finish line. Like that's the I hate that more than anything. Like ride it out. Like for, for better or worse, like have some respect, you know, and and I always look at it like a challenge, you know, you try and you try and, you know, end on a good note and everything. But yeah, it's it's one of those things, right? Yeah. And and a lot of people get it. They get the stigma in their heads or whatever. Like they already know the end result. They did it and failed. Right. So they don't they don't want to do it again. Like, no, nah, I did that already. And like the only thing worse than the the biggest fear is the unknown. The only thing worse than that is knowing and it's it's not good. So uh, a lot of people won't even try to begin with because there's no clear path. You know, it's like, oh, I can't do that. That That's unobtainable. Um, no, not really. Like, why don't you try and see where you get? Just leave your house and do it. Right. <laughs> that's what <laughs> right. you really have to do. Exactly. Yep. Not that you're allowed to leave it now, but. Right. <laughs> yeah, you can't leave now. Don't leave yet. Yeah, some other time. <laughs> Go in your basement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just show up. Really, is a lot is half the battle. Just showing up and and getting in the mix is really it. So yeah, this was an interesting one. Everybody loves to see Al do good and accomplish and win. As much as we watch the show and laugh when his life when life is just dumping on his head, when he has these moments, you you it almost brings a tear to your eye to see him doing so well in the gym and at the bag and at benching and curling and and jump roping and then he was doing the backflips and everything and he had the stunt double do the fake backflip. That was hilarious. <laughs> right. Oh my right. god. Well, I also think, too, it's it's a weird reflection of, you know, the people 
and the general perception, I think, of this show, of Al Bundy, of being like, you know, the working class kind of loser, working man and stuff like that, you know, and how our perceptions kind of change over the years, because once Donnelly's involved, you know, once you get the general public in this world that knows something about Al, and we've seen this before, you know, we've seen um, everybody knows about about everything Al does and, and all his failures and whatnot. So to have an episode like this where, where it kind of, it, it shifts in a way where, you know, no, oh, that's where you think it's going. Like he's going to fail and that's going to be it. But then, yeah, he tries again. So it's like, oh, this is great. And I think that, like I said, it's indicative of, of people's perception being like, hey, we love this guy. You know, clearly he's not perfect. The family's not perfect. I'm not, you know, they, they never were from episode one. But at the same time, you grow to love these people with all their flaws. And it's like you cheer for Al Bundy and everybody was cheering for him at the end, you know, even with the Christmas line. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. No, ma'am, we'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Now they're available on the TV Time app. Go to your app store and type in TV Time. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Now Dan, Jamie, and Alex are going to give their final thoughts on this week's episode. Time to rate this episode till death do us part. How many times are we punting Zippy into the Bundy living room out of five for this episode, Jamie? Well, I'm not punting Zippy at all because that makes me sad. (laughs) But if I were going to, I would do it probably, you know what? I'll say five times. (gasps) What? I love... There, there doesn't seem to be a, a lot to this episode, but honestly, that's what I like about it. Yeah. It's not big. It's not, you know, overblown with a lot of guests and all of that. It's just the family and, of course, the Darcys. Uh, we we get to see the basement, which we've never seen before, which is yes. cool. They, yes. We have a great moment between... Al and Kelly, which I love. And then we have that very inspiring moment with Al, which I love. He redeems himself, which of course I love. It's, it's good stuff. And plus, you know, just, there are some great jokes here. Not every one of them land perfectly, but enough to keep it moving quickly. And yeah, this is, I, I like this stripped down bare bones, just get to the funny but also include some heartfelt moments episode. I, I I really, really, really loved it. So nice. Like when Peg made that that call. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was nice. You know, the fact that she brought him food. Right. You know, that was right? that was nice. And he was so cute. Again, I reiterate, he was so adorable and he's like, no. You know, I just it and I guess all the really great moments had something to do with him. 
Right. You know, because Kelly and then, you know, the inspirational thing and then Peg on the phone and then him with the burrito. I like he just was this is a really great Al episode. Yeah, it really was. Um, you're right. I didn't even think about the fact that she brought him food and toilet paper. Right. <laughs> huh. That's weird. Yeah, Peg was really sweet this episode, despite having told Marcy that Al was done in three seconds. Dan, how many times are you punting Zippy around the Bundy living room out of five for this episode? <laughs> I am reserving half a punt, um, but my rating is very close, 4.5. It was great. I, I, I love this episode. You know, like you said, there's nothing too crazy about it. It feels like a classic Married with Children episode. And, you know, I know I've said that a lot, but what that means to me is pretty much how I rate the show. Like I, I look at these episodes and it has to have all these things, you know, it has to have, you know, obviously uh, good jokes, but, but, you know, just the overall camaraderie or lack thereof of the family, whichever way they decide to go. Um, obviously when, when, um, when Jefferson and Marcy come in, that's big, how they are, you know, weaved into the plot. So, I thought that, like we talked about earlier, everything was incorporated perfectly. It was a, it was such a well-rounded episode. Seeing the basement was cool, like you said. Uh, yeah, it was great. I only reserve uh, half a punt, half a punt of Zippy, uh, just because, just because it, it uh, the jokes weren't weren't stellar all the time. I thought they were great though. They they were definitely solid. But uh, yeah, four point five. Nice. I, too, will be punting Zippy around the living Bundy living room 4.5 times. This was a really, really good episode. Super strong. Super multi-layered. I loved it. I loved everything everybody brought to it all. I love all their deliveries. I love even Buck. Even Buck's delivery, like I said, <laughs> was great. I think most of the jokes definitely were on point, but they were like, I'd say like three or four that were just okay, and then one dud with the uh, Al want to throw the football around. But yeah, the overall experience, I got to say, this episode felt like it was seven minutes long. Right? I, I, I agree. Yeah, and that's like a third of what it really is, so that's amazing. Just really strong. We really needed this kind of episode. I love these types of episodes, actually. That's why it's getting a 4.5. I love these kinds of episodes. And again, the whole question of jumping the shark doesn't even come into play. Like, I didn't even think about that in this episode. Dude, I, it's funny you say that. As um, we were getting on, I was going to make this whole thing about how this season did not jump the shark at all. Not yet. I mean, unless something catastrophic happens and, you know, there's an, there's maybe, you know, asteroids that come down or something. But, hey, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, how bad can the next four episodes be that I'm going to say this season jumped the shark? <laughs> right. <laughs> they got to be really, really bad. I think there's a lot of people that are greatly misinformed. Yeah. And, and Dan put a poll up on our Married with Children group Facebook page. And he says, after hearing all our reviews thus far, do you still think season seven jumped the shark? At this point, 29 people said no, it did not jump the shark, and six people said yes, it did. Six. I'd like to have those six on the show. Wasn't one of them Stephen Scott? 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's he's sticking by this whole jump the shark thing. And it's weird because they a, a lot of them highlight this whole seven thing as that being the reason. He he said he voted yes because of the addition of seven. Mm-hmm. And he said he said, you know, the show still survived. And then he brings up how Happy Days, you know, even though that was the actual shark jumper, that that show was still still going strong for years even after that. But the problem is, even by definition, Jump the Shark, that means like when a television show reached a point which far-fetched events are included merely for the sake of novelty, indicative of a decline in quality. Now, far-fetched events, I'm sorry, but... Seven on the show is not really a far-fetched event, and <laughs> like no, <laughs> yeah, I don't. It's hard to explain. You, we'll get to it when it happens on the show, and we'll talk about. Oh, this is definitely a sign of a like. For example, the one we always talk about, the birthday episode. That was definitely a shark jumping episode, right? But right, does what does that mean though? It's just one episode. Okay, so now we're getting into stuff that we talked about the first time we did our first Jump the Shark episode, um, you know, on horror movie franchises, right? And so you have to ask these particular questions, which are basically like, is it is it that moment in itself that is indicative of everything after? Because when you jump the shark, one would assume that, like, can you come back from that? Yeah, you can have jump the shark moments, but is that indicative of the whole series? Like, do they continue to do it after that point? Is it is that a thing now? Are they really reaching, you know? If you have one episode, and I don't even agree that, that the kid jumped the shark, but okay, let's just for argument's sake say that's a moment. Well, then you've got all these other episodes to look at. So it, as soon as something crazy happens, oh, from this point on, they jump the shark. To me, it's a moment that that feels like a bunch of other moments that are that you can pinpoint, uh, you know, exactly kind of when they started. But a bunch of events that that are so far fetched that that aren't, you know, quintessential, you know, in this case, Bundy's, you know. Right. Well, Again, it's like, can you encapsulate a whole season by one episode? It's just not fair to do. No, you can't. You can't. And I think it's kind of silly to do that because I'll be honest with you. There, <clears throat> I can point to every one of my favorite shows and have not only an, uh, a moment, but like full episodes. You know, you get the Breaking Bad yeah, the fly, fly episode. episode. Right. Like you got all, you got all these examples of... Uh, and a lot of them, you know, it's when a show tries to do, yeah, something different. But the question is, can they come back from that? Did that lead them to a place where, oh, wow, yeah, no, this show really went off the rails right. at no. this point? No. Yeah, comparing Seven as making the Marrow Children show jump the shark is like saying the fly episode is when Breaking Bad jumped the shark. Now, right. nobody would say, like, if they said, when did that show jump the shark? You're going to sit there, really, and focus on one episode? And then, so, you, and how many episodes are there a season? 26 episodes this season. You're going to say that the, the third episode, the one out of 26 other episodes, means the entire season jump the shark? No, what that means is, hey, guess what? Season 7 had an episode that sucked. 
Right. That's all. Right. That's what that Absolutely. means. Absolutely. And you know, I, and you can't listen. You can't try and stifle people, creators for for trying different things. You know. And I think that <clears throat> obviously the seventh thing didn't work out, and they realized that. And even the choice to do it in the first place was very odd. Right. But at the same time, you have to give creators, you know, somewhat of a license or they become stagnant. They become, oh, you're seeing the same old things like same setups. Now, granted, with Married with Children, that works like, you know, like uh, Peg's not satisfied in bed. and Like Al wants to prove it. Like, yeah, that sounds like quintessential Married with Children. But you also have to have those other episodes that that kind of go off the beating path and try different things. You know, one of my favorite shows has a whole episode where nobody says a word. Uh, the, uh, one of the other episodes is one continuous shot, you know, and and you can't sit there and say to somebody like, don't try that. Even if it doesn't work out, OK, fine. But I think that to equate it to jumping the shark and, ah, oh, guys, it's completely gone up the rails. Like, I can I can pinpoint it. Mm, no. Like, some of the best Breaking Bad episodes are right at the end there. And we were like, what? Because, like you said, they, they jumped the shark in the fly episode. Like, what? That makes no sense. So, yeah, that's my two cents on that. <laughs> Nerf, sorry. Yeah, and we'll get more into this on the Season 7 wrap-up show, which most of you will never hear. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that we put so much effort into those shows, almost sometimes more than a regular one, and people would enjoy it so much, but that wall of $5 is just... Uh, dude, I don't know, man. That helped me pay my cell phone bill and like fed me for a week, so thank you again for that. <laughs> yeah, so people actually do. Like, that literally was like the difference between... like. Me having the worst week ever and totally changing it. So I, I honestly put it in that perspective, and I can't be mad. <laughs> yeah, so for all you patrons who support the show, that money came in really handy during this pandemic. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you again. Uh, you never know how appreciated you are. Thanks for supporting the show and recognizing all the hard work that goes into it. So tune in next week as we do some more hard work. Tis, it's weird, two episodes in a row. Till death do us part with apostrophe in front of it, and now it's tis time to smell the roses. Next week, Peg spends all of Al's early retirement money and forces him to go back to work. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Like, oh, I gotta see where this goes, because he's nowhere near 62 years old or whatever it is. (laughs) Right, right. Even though apparently he looks it. <laughs> <laughs>